This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre, with expert commentary, analysis, and insights into the issues of the day. Further evidence of the way in which China's overseas interests are spreading is in the spotlight again, not with the loan of Yang Guang and Tian Tian, the pair of giant pandas to Edinburgh Zoo, but through the way in which the country is leading the race to invest in mineral-rich Afghanistan. That's just one example among many, because according to Professor Peter Williamson of Cambridge Judge Business School, China has reset its global acquisition agenda. Buying physical assets like oil fields and natural resources is part of that new strategy and represents a major change from their initial cross-border ventures, which ended in abject failure. Professor Williamson explains what went wrong. Well, the first acquisitions that、uh, Chinese companies made in Europe were basically an attempt to gain brands and distribution to help penetrate the European market. And of course, what was for sale were companies that were in severe trouble.、Uh, companies like、uh, Thomson Electronics, as a TV business, which they、uh, bought, a TCL, the Chinese company bought, and、uh, turning those around was such a major difficulty that, of course, even the French management had failed. Turns around, so Chinese management, who are inexperienced internationally, basically had no chance of doing so. So that's the reason why these things ended in failure and cost a lot of money. Sometimes they lost up to five or six hundred million pounds on some of these acquisitions. What's the proverb that you use to to draw that analogy about the Chinese failure? Yes, there's an interesting proverb that they use in China. That is that failure is not about falling down; it's about not getting up once you've tripped over. And so, what happened is the Chinese companies have definitely said, "Okay, we've made some mistakes, but let's stand up again, back on our feet, and have another go, trying a different strategy." What is the different strategy? The different strategy that they've adopted was first to buy companies with heavy asset bases. So they bought.、Uh, Coal mines and、uh, mountains of copper and iron ore around the world. Of course, that wasn't particularly relevant to Europe. So, having had that reaction, they then start to relook at Europe and basically say the thing we can buy from Europe is companies with technology and R and D capability. And so, that's been the new strategy to buy smaller companies with outstanding technology and strong groups of R and D staff in Europe. Does this make sense? It makes a lot of sense because the Chinese are excellent in volume manufacturing and low cost. What they're lacking to move up the value chain, improve the quality of their products, is technology and R and D capability. And by buying companies in Europe with those strengths, they can actually complete the puzzle. Will this new trend change the, the global competitive landscape forever? I think it will change the global competitive landscape、uh, in very fundamental ways because a lot of businesses in the West, especially in Europe, have relied on the idea that there's a big technological gap and quality gap between the Chinese at the low end and European companies at the top end. By this new acquisition strategy, that gap is going to close a lot more quickly than I think any of these companies. Thought possible of just a few years ago, and therefore the kinds of advantages that European companies have relied on for their profitability as are going to be reduced substantially at quite a fast pace. Don't we in the West 
enjoy an immunity through our value-added products and, and services, and also the niche segments that we serve. A lot of European companies talk about value-added products and sticking to the niches as providing immunity from this sort of Chinese competition. But I think this is the important shift that's occurred, that as Chinese companies start to buy and integrate technology companies and companies with R&D capacity, they too will be able to serve these value-added uh, areas of the market and premium products and so forth. And also, uh, niches seem like a good idea, but the Chinese have shown an uncanny ability to take niche businesses and turn them into mass markets by bringing much more competitive costs and efficient techniques to what used to be niche business and opening them up for a much broader customer base. What can Western companies do to respond, or is it too late? I think Western companies can respond. I don't think it's too late for Western companies to respond. But the response actually is basically to follow the Chinese strategy in the opposite direction. And that is to say, we need capabilities that companies in China have. And therefore, we have to buy companies with those capabilities in volume manufacturing and getting costs down in re-engineering products for the mass market. Or perhaps we need to ally with Chinese companies so that together we can conquer the global markets. Do we have the agility, the flexibility to be able to react quickly and to do that? I think agility and flexibility to follow the strategies I've just mentioned are the biggest hurdles. It's not that they're intellectually difficult. It's not that they require a lot of money or so forth. But actually what they require is a change in mindset to say that we can actually learn something from these Chinese companies. And it's not just about trying to penetrate the Chinese market by trying to use Chinese capabilities and companies with these skills to strengthen our position in the global market. Professor Peter Williamson, thank you. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series. Music